We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detella along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Abair. Uh, we'll have Joe DeLeon on with us to talk about the NFL Combine, NFL Draft. But, Charlie, you got some important news on Pelicans Knicks tonight. Yeah, the Athletics' Will Guillory just tweeted this out, guys. Zion Williamson will play tonight per Willie Green. C.J. McCollum, who was questionable earlier on a couple hours ago, will sit once again with his left ankle sprain. And But this is the biggest news of the night. Mm. Last night we talked about it leading up to it. The Pistons just needed to get a close game against the Knicks to get as many minutes for their star players as possible. Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hartenstein are both out for the Knicks tonight in this game. Oh, well, there's no excuse then. The Pels should win. Jalen Brunson played 40 minutes last night in the Knicks 113-111 to 111 victory over the Pistons. So, I mean, the Pistons kept it close enough to where he had to play big minutes to get that win. And now he's going to be out tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. And he also joins OG Ananobi, their you know, small forward yep. star guy that they got from Toronto. And then also Julius Randle is going to be out for tonight's oh, game. So the Knicks are down oh, at least. Are we playing the JV Knicks? Yeah. Well, Remember I mean, the last be. time when they played Memphis with that JV team? Oh, yeah, but I'm a What it was, 14 uh, points? Uh, they yeah, scored yeah. 10 points in the fourth quarter? Yeah. It, Can't it, have that it, happen it again. Like 14 to 10 in one quarter. Yeah, no, they got to come to play. And, uh, Charlie, you know, when you bring up, Whenever you hear this, whether it's any sport, football, basketball, whatever, when you hear, like, ankle sprain, okay, what kind of ankle sprain? Uh, if it's a high ankle sprain, that's like you got a broke ankle, like four to six weeks. I say that all the time. So now, uh, what is this, the third game that uh, he, he played, but the first game back against the Rockets, and now this will be the third game. He misses. So I wonder how significant is C.J. McCollum with that ankle sprain. I'd be intrigued to see what happens tomorrow night, guys, with the Pelicans playing a back-to-back. Maybe they chose for him to sit out this game and then play against the the Pacers Pacers tomorrow. Uh, That could be an option. But, yeah, that's the big news that just dropped about five to ten minutes ago. No Jalen Brunson for the Knicks. Their leading scorer, 27.7 points per game. He actually went for 35 last night in a big effort to beat the Pistons by two. But he played 40 minutes in that game, guys. Yow. They didn't want to have him playing on tired so legs tonight. unplugged. Yeah. That, that, unplugged he's missing the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, Bob, we got a text about uh, the Saints talking to Jaden Daniels. And just to answer that, listen, I've had players tell me that they didn't even interview with the team that picked them. Uh, and so that the Saints are interviewing Jaden Daniels Maybe doesn't mean if, squat. And you know, you know what it means because I think Mickey Loomis already addressed this. It might have been Jeff Harlan, one of them. That it doesn't matter who they're interviewing; they want to get a book on him. A little it, bit it, of intel. Yeah, it might on, be for down the road. It might, and it, I got to play him. Let's think. If if the Falcons and this is hypothetical, if the Falcons would move up to the two spot to get Jaden Daniels, you, you got to play him a twice year. a year. You know how many years you're going to play him? Right, at least five, and that's ten games. And it could be also the situation, Mike, where wherever he ends up. So let's you're say you're going to have to play him. I have to play him, or, or so let's say that they remember, uh, like it might be on the back end of his career because they save all of this. 
that might be in the back of his career that we really like uh, where he's coming from, and all of a sudden, uh, d- d- do you want to bring him on board? The other thing, too, is, and uh, I've talked to a couple guys that prep these players for it, and they tell them to stay away from this question, but it, you always get asked, what's the best thing you do and the thing that maybe you don't do the best? And so they try to prep them is don't really give them a good answer on what you don't do best. Because yeah. you know what? That weakest link in the chain will eventually break. And so they tell them, you know, to give them, you know, kind of a roundabout answer. Like generic uh, And not get specific because if you don't get picked by that team, they could potentially use it. Yeah, about uh, they might. And it's not necessarily in your private life, but more like uh, football-wise, what you think you need to work on. or, or what Because you if really you've watched them play, you know damn well what they need to work on. Uh, and, you know, too much is being made of who's working out and who's not of the top players. My thing about it is years ago that might have made a difference because, you know what, you had an old school deal of GM scouts that looked at it as a total negative if you didn't so work why, out. So why won't you, uh, like, uh, why won't you throw? Uh, like Kayla Williams, or, why aren't you throwing? Or what are you scared of? No, it's not. It's not going to benefit him by throwing. Exactly. He got, the, he got the tape already of actual games of him throwing. Okay, who it benefits? Guys that aren't assured of those top picks, exactly. like a JJ McCarthy, like a Bo Nix, like a Michael Penix Jr. And I think the guy that may make a run here, Bob, and I liked him a lot more than you do, Spencer Rattler. From oh, South Carolina. Right. I think that that guy uh, could put He's himself in, in the second coaster. round. But Mike, he is all over the board, Mike, up and down. I remember you from the get-go uh, when he was at Oklahoma. You, you, you were kind of putting him on the Caleb Williams category and that potentially in the NFL. Go, I don't know about that, Mike. And then all of a sudden Caleb Williams comes to town. And we and found he, the real McCoy. And, and, and then he transfers <laughs> to South Carolina. And then I still remember that game. It wasn't even this season. the season before Tennessee. when they crushed Tennessee. Mike, I said, oh, now that's the Spencer Rattler that Mike Detelier was talking about. Because, man, can he spin the rock? He's not a big guy. He's a sort of a thin-framed guy, but, Bobby, he can throw it. He came to Manning, and it's almost like a whip with his arm. And I think he trusts his arm way too much. Sometimes you you well, got to be able to hit the layup. And the, the only thing that always comes to my mind, Spencer, Spencer Rattler is like a black albino. Uh, if you look up Yellow Man from Jamaica, uh, the reggae singer, I'm telling you, if you look at Spencer Rattler, put him side by side now, uh, Yellow Man's older. You know, he's an old man, almost could be like his dad or his uncle or grandma. So I'm telling you, look at Spencer Rattler and Yellow Man from Jamaica, the, the reggae singer. They look very similar. And a lot of people, they want to get him in because the two most important things of the combine isn't the workouts, it's interviews. Medicals, because you never go through a medical like you do the combine. Well, no, you're like a piece of meat. They put you up there. You're in your drawers, and uh, I want to say in French, you're in your conson. But uh, you know, you're just kind of like in the underwear. You, you always seen the bad body Tom Brady had uh, when he was. Uh, but look what Tom Brady did. And you seen uh, he was like the galloping ghost. Tom Brady run a forty and all that. So uh, you know, it's all that's kind of when they're breaking it down. But you truly are. Like a meat mark when they look out there. Because I remember and, you telling me the story. Was it Gilbrand or Tech Shram that told you about the cattle? Oh, no, the- no. That Tech Shram. Tech Shram. Uh, 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 that um, 
that, uh, and this is through like Gilbrand, the whole Dallas connection. It goes, hey, now this, this is terrible. But as he said, uh, you took my piece of meat. They go, we're the ranchers and you're the cattle. We can always get more cattle. <laughs> in other words, we're in charge. This is before free agency and all that. But think about that. That, that when we talk about that you are a piece of meat. We're the ranchers, you're the cattle. We can always get more cattle. We'll be back, and we'll have Joe DeLeon talking about the NFL draft and the combine right after this break here on the Big 870. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, and on our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, co-hosts of the Rafino and Joe Show, Joe DeLeon, college and pro football analyst and also covers the NFL Draft. Joe, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Joe, i got two guys I'd like to have your opinions on. Um, he didn't get to play much in the latter part of this season because of an injury, but, man, I'm a, I'm a big believer. Makai Wingo how good of a player he is. And I'm not sure Makai isn't a better, like, if you're playing in a 3-4, he's an end. Uh, he's not going to play on the nose. But your thoughts on Makai Wingo and, and Michael Pratt from Tulane. And, and Bob and I were talking about Spencer Rattler. You can give your thoughts on Spencer also. But, uh, you know, with Pratt, he, he dealt with a lot of injuries this year. I think we saw – uh, a version of him that wasn't quite a hundred percent, but you're not going to be hundred percent in the NFL either. So, your thoughts on Michael Pratt and Makai Wingo? Yeah, Wingo to start off with uh, that you brought up there. His whenever he wasn't available for LSU, you really noticed that difference in the defensive line play, just in general for how up and down LSU was defensively. He was such a, a key, important part, and it, it's difficult that they're going to have to figure out who are going to be the faces of that defensive line in the future. And I think what has made him such a strong prospect is just the power that he brings to the position. And then also he's got very underrated foot speed. That, that's something that you really look for in defensive tackles. And it's something that uh, I always really covet when I'm watching guys is how quick their feet are, how quickly they can move. You brought up though, Michael Pratt. I'm a very, very big fan of his. I keep bringing him up whenever people ask me, Who's the Brock Purdy of the class? Who's the guy who could be drafted as a backup? And then out of nowhere, he's a starter. I think that Michael Pratt can be that guy because he is just such an experienced, cerebral, easy decision maker. He gets the ball out really quickly. And I think that his arm isn't the biggest. It's probably more down the middle of the pack, if not on the the lower end side of this class. But he is able to make up for it with quick decision-making. I will always bank on these types of guys to turn out to be really good backup quarterbacks. But it wouldn't shock me that a guy like Michael Pratt doesn't end up becoming a, a starter because somebody gets hurt and he steps in and he just does so well that maybe he takes over the job or somebody in the future goes and trades for him. Maybe it could be like a Nick Mullins type of a situation where we've seen Mullins get a lot of opportunities uh, to start and to play. Uh, when he first started things out with the San Francisco 49ers. But I'm a very big fan of Michael Pratt, and I think that he could do some great things in the NFL. You know, uh, when you everyone's looking for edge rushers or 
to get after the quarterback. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of these guys. Mike and I, uh, to tell you, we're talking about this. Uh, look, at, in the two years, you know, transfer portal, you look at name, image, and likeness, NIL, but he transfers from FCS, uh, University of Albany. You look at uh, uh, Verse. Jared Verse. Uh, Jared Verse. I'm looking at, okay, you were talking about taking advantage of opportunity. He records 18 sacks, 29 tackles for loss. We see him. We saw him play against LSU. Now, I he thought, gave Will Campbell <laughs> more problems than anybody I've seen in two years. And, and, and Will Campbell, Mike, you, you, you said he's, <laughs> he's a, a stud. stud. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, J- Jared Verse for me is, is in that conversation is that top edge in the class. And I think one could argue maybe he is the best edge player. And I have him right up against Dallas Turner uh, for different reasons, for different play styles. But what, what makes Jared Verse so dangerous is the power that he brings to the position. He is not as bendy as the conventional edge prospect, uh, but he still is able to run the you know the outside track. But what has made him just such a problem to deal with is when he gets inside guys' chests and he punches in on them, he is just too strong to keep up with. And we don't see a lot of edge rushers come into the league with this type of power uh, early on, and I think that he could be one of those guys that gets drafted in the middle or the end of the first round, and his impact is felt immediately as a rookie. And you, you talked about though the one thing that sold me was the way that he gave such a battle to Will Campbell, and we yeah. know that Campbell is going to be a first round pick uh, next year. I am just unbelievably blown away from a guy like that, and it, it's crazy to think that in high school. He was primarily a tight end. He was barely recruited. He ends up at Albany in the CAA where I played, and now he's going to go on to be a top 15 pick. Joe, don't poo-foo the tight end, the guy sitting across from me. I think he, they were recruiting him as a tight end, too, at one time. No, I was like tight end, free safety. I never played quarterback till my senior year in high school because the other quarterback we had would sprint out, even though the receiver was open, would just take off and run. <laughs> How about we, we just throw it now and then? So I'm playing free safety my junior year in high school. I had eight interceptions. So so uh, that my high school coach, Coach Ralph Perry, says, Bob, if we can just throw a little bit, I, I, I think we could take advantage of defenses because we ran two tight end T formation. We do cross bucks and all that. And he goes like, and this is Coach O's on the offensive line. He's a junior. I'm a senior. You go, we don't get three and a half yards a run. We suck. He goes, I don't care how fast the other team is. If they don't have the ball, they can't score. So we'd have these long, meticulous drives that would eat up like a whole quarter and all that. And, you know, I'd only throw like 10 times a game. You go seven for 10 or whatever. And then, you know, linebackers in high school, I told Mike this, they're not linebackers in high school because they can pass coverage. They're there to run support. And if you do play action, the tight end dragon's always wide open. So it was like, <laughs> and then so before I went to Northwest Louisiana, Joe, you like this story that how like I coached to play quarterback in high school, just throw to whoever you think's open. <laughs> uh, like, what is that? And then I go to Northwest Louisiana. My head coach then, uh, A.L. Williams, had Billy Laird and Joe Ferguson. We ran the Buffalo Bills offense. So Joe Ferguson was there before Jim Kelly. You know, he played 17 years in the NFL. He'd shown me three-step, five-step, uh, even they had seven-step drop back then, cover two, cover three, all the different coverages. So I was so raw, I was like a sponge. And then he developed uh, the first year I ever played starting quarterback. I'm like second-team All-American behind Neil Lomax of Portland State in the run-and-shoot. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm throwing That's the Mark. Awesome. Su- I'm throwing the Mark Super Duper set all kind of records with Dan Marino. Joe Delaney's my <laughs> running back. So talk about being at the right place. The right time. Uh, I know I'm going off on a little tangent. Mike, how did I even uh, start talking about No, that? because he brought up the tight end position. Oh, the tight end. Yeah, so I've been tight that, That's end. what Jared Verse was uh, yeah, in yeah. high school. Uh, tight end, uh, you know, free safety, whatever. You just want to play football. And then, uh, you know, when it helps when, you know, Joe, your favorite sport could be, you know, a different sport. I thought basketball practice was always fun because you didn't get beat up. But then you, you play football, and when you go from 5'8", 115 pounds to 6'2", 190, all of a sudden you start liking football because uh, you're just bigger. <laughs> but um, the, the, the question, to, and Mike and, and, and Joe, they, they, I don't know. This is one of the most unusual success stories that I've ever – I'm going to probably butcher his name. It's probably Polynesian or something from UCLA. Lalutu Latu, is that how you say it? I did pretty Liatu, good. Latu. Okay, Latu. Yeah. Uh, when I see this guy, so by productive in his final two years at UCLA, what he led the country in tackles for loss. You might say, "What's well, UCLA? Who they playing?" But this is still UCLA. Led the country in tackles for a loss in last season, twenty-one and a half, and and in two years at UCLA, he recorded twenty-three and a half sacks, five forced fumbles, a couple of interceptions. Okay, that's unbelievable numbers. But then all of a sudden, when I look at it. Uh, he was checked. Uh, he was checked out basically because he had a neck injury that he medically retired in 2020 at Washington. Uh, uh, what? That's like okay. Uh, my neck's hurting so much. I don't think I want to play football anymore. And then you do this the, the next two seasons. Uh, that, that's the most success story I've ever heard from a physical standpoint. Joe, I don't know about you, but I think he's the best technician of all the edge rushers. Oh yeah, I, I don't I, think I, he's I even close either. Yeah, and, and to talk about the the neck issue, it, it's such a it, it, it's so complicated to just to try and come back and play from something like that. So I totally agree that his story is it's really a positive one. But at the same time, at the NFL Combine this week, I think we're going to really find out how serious that injury was because during these medical rechecks, that's going to be really important for his draft stock. But you talked about him being a technician; he is an unbelievable, technically refined pass rusher. He works with one of the best uh, pass rush coaches out there here in Los Angeles, and he just shows up prepared with an amazing plan on every single rep. He's got a very deep move set. He is not as athletically gifted as a guy like Dallas Turner or Jared Verse, but the, the technique and the intent and the tenacity, the motor, all of that is going to earn him an early contribution in the NFL. For whatever reason, he feels like a Baltimore Raven, which is such an easy cliche to say that you know the Ravens are going to. I mean, that's that. all they need. They had well, sixty no, sacks no, last yeah, year. Yeah, it's like Joe the Rich get richer. I mean, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, one of the guys I really like, and it was so funny when we were doing the pregame for the Missouri game. I brought up Darius Robinson, um, and you know, Herb Tyler was man. You know, I haven't really heard that much about Darius Robinson. I said, man, he's really good. So we, you know, we watching the game, and then we got to do post game. He's like, man, Mike Darius Robinson, man, he was really, really good. You know, what he reminds me of uh, it's a guy Bob would know really well, Wayne Martin. Oh, uh, that's who uh, uh, Darius uh, Robinson reminds uh, uh, me of coming out of Arkansas. And then he had a long career with the Saints. 
He reminds me a lot of Wayne because Wayne was a defensive end at Arkansas and he played defensive tackle, defensive end with the Saints. Similar to Darius in a lot of ways and they sort of built alike. Yeah, and he's such a massive hulking presence. And the the thing that I like about Robinson is the versatility that he brings to the position because early on at Mizzou, he was playing a lot inside and they were moving him around a ton. And then finally – this past year, Blake Baker decided to say, okay, we're going to solely use you out on the edge and, and you're going to go to work. It's a little similar to Latu in the way that he's, he's not as bendy, he's not as short area explosive as the top two guys, but what makes him such a challenge is his length. And then on top of that, the move set, the motor, the aggressiveness, it feels like you're getting into a fight every single time that you have to go uh, up against a guy like Robinson. I really understand and see after the Senior Bowl why he could end up in the back end of the first round. I think more realistically, he's probably going to go uh, in the beginning of the second round. But he just feels like a really steady player that maybe doesn't become a 15-sack guy, but it's just a really, really good secondary rusher for a starting defense. That's Wayne Martin. That's yeah, what Wayne that, that, did that, with that, the Saints. Uh, very, very similar. Uh, Jarius Monroe did not get invited to the combine, but big fan of his. I saw him in high school at East St. John, and he starts out at Nichols, and he transfers to, to Tulane, and he was the most valuable player in the East-West Shrine game. And also he won the, uh, I think, the award for the best practice player throughout that process. Man, watching him play, Jarius Monroe can play in this league. I, I got no doubt about it. And sometimes you get a guy that sort of slips through the cracks a little bit. But a little bit on Jarius Monroe, who I think is an NFL corner and a pretty doggone good one. And I think with Monroe, what's going to help him getting drafted maybe somewhere late on day three is his size. He's six foot two, two oh five. That is exactly what you're looking for for a back end depth player. Uh, at defensive back. You you want guys that have the length and uh, the height, the weight to play on special teams. I really think, and I love the way that you talked about how uh, he was a standout player during the week of practice. Monroe, for me, could be one of those guys that just works really hard in practice, finds himself onto a roster, sticks for a long period of time, and just busts his butt every single time that uh, he's asked to go down and cover a kick or he's asked to go block on on a punt return. I think Monroe definitely fits that description. I think what's going to be interesting is how this and comes out of the comma because none of them are going to work out the top uh, receivers, and I don't know if Marvin Harrison Jr. is even going to be in there. But I think it's a closer race for the number one spot at, at wide receiver than people give credit. I think Malik Neighbors is right on the heels of Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, most people... So, they, so, Mike, you're not just being a homer on that one? Hell no. Okay. No, uh, no I'm telling you the truth. No, okay. uh, if uh, I felt differently, I would tell you differently. Uh, okay. But Malik Neighbors, I think, is one of these guys that when you watch him and how well he can run a route and he sets you up and he gets separation, he's tough, he'll go over the middle. And then you say, man, Malik Neighbors ain't that fast till you try to catch him in the open field. And he takes off. Well, that was like Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice didn't know he was football uh-huh. fast. You know, everybody looks at the party time. But how many times you saw Joe Montana hit Jerry Rice on a slant and they weren't catching him? I mean, what? So I still fast. think Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the first receiver picked. But I think right after that, 
Malik Neighbors gets picked. And I think he's going to edge out Roma Dunsey uh, from Washington. A lot of people like Rome, and I do too. I think he's a really good player. And I think he's a guy that can come in and start right away. But I think being overlooked, Malik Neighbors, how good he is. Yeah, I think for me, Neighbors has definitely solidified himself as that, that lock to be the second receiver uh, taken in this year's draft. And it's for everything that you just talked about. He, he's not – He's not a big receiver. He, he's right around six foot. I'm curious to see what his exact measurements end up being at the combine. But what makes him so dangerous is how little speed he loses on his cut. <laughs> That's breaking true. That stuff is unbelievable to keep up with. But the thing that is going to really earn him um, really high praise in his early career in the NFL is his after-the-catch ability. I mean, this is a guy who's just going to completely burn you with the football in his hands. He reminds me, and it's a, it's a little bit of a lazy comparison because they both played at LSU, but like I, I see so many comparisons between him and Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ maybe had a little bit better hands and with the crazy catches that he was able to make, but I see a lot of similarities, and I wouldn't be shocked if Neighbors doesn't jump on the scene immediately uh, and end up being a guy who is a 1,000-yard receiver as a rookie. You know why? He'll probably end up with the Giants. Don't they have a love for LSU receivers? Yeah, yeah. The, the track record. <laughs> the track record says it. So, so, so Joe, what about um, because the tight end position? Okay. Uh, and then, you know, Mike and I were talking about this during the season. You look at a contribution. Obviously, we know about Kelsey with the Chiefs, Kittle with the 49ers. You look at Sam Laporta with the Lions. Then I look at TJ Hawkinson was with the Lions. Then he goes to the Vikings. And he's, he, a, he's still catching passes uh, against the, the Saints. Saints. He burned the Saints. So when I look at Brock Bowers, it's about a playmaker. What scored thirty-one uh, total touchdowns? He had uh, right at twenty-seven hundred yards of scrimmage in three seasons. Do you think? Uh, where do you think Brock Bowers? Uh, what is the value? Because Mike thinks sometimes that if the Saints have fourteen, Brock Bowers is there. That the Saints should take him. Yeah, I certainly think that should be on the table for the Saints if he makes it that far because right now they just need to keep accumulating weapons in order to make uh, Derek Carr more comfortable. But I, I think what makes him so unique, there's this this stigma that's running around right now that um, tight ends in the first round are not worth it. You point to all these examples of yes, with that. Kyle Pitts and uh, Noah Fan, and TJ Hawkinson and Tyler Eifert, all these guys that didn't really work out. But I, I just I point to the fact that Brock Bowers is so unique compared to any of these guys, he is so dominant after the catch. He is a vertical threat for how big he is, and he could run in the low 4-4s. He is that fast. And what makes him even more well-rounded is that he is a very physical and aggressive blocker, and I think that he could develop into the most well-rounded tight end in the NFL. That is what makes him so unique. He would be really a nice fit for the Saints if he's still on the board. I'm a little worried, though, that there's so many teams picking in the top 12 or so picks that would want to take that chance on him that maybe already have decent receivers that just want that extra piece. And like one that stands out the most to me is the Chargers potentially taking him at fifth overall. Joe, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Always appreciate it, bud. Great stuff. 
Of course. Thanks for having me. All Thank right. You, Joe. Joe DeLeon, NFL and college football analyst on the Joe and Rafino show. We'll be back with more Sports Talk here and Triple Options right after this break on the Big 870. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, Steve Geller joins us for our Triple Option. Bobby J, I'll go to you first. Well, um, I was so ecstatic because it helps out the Saints. Um, you know, the rich get richer, and that is the NFL dealing with the salary cap. Uh, I mean, when the NFL revealed Friday that the salary cap would jump to $255.5 million basically per team next season, an unprecedented $30 million increase. And obviously that's going to uh, greatly uh, benefit the Saints. Uh, that's why they can keep doing business like they've been doing it. Uh, you know, it's going to increase. Now, you can't have a world pandemic or what happened with COVID because that can ruin your strategy. But look, the, the increase will mean that uh, the Saints now uh, has only north of, of $40 million left to clear the start of the new league. Which, be, which begins uh, March the 13th. Now, if you think about it, uh, the estimates for uh, next season, they thought it would be $242 million. So it, it's unbelievable how, and so Mickey Loomis and I are going to be saying yes, yes. Now, the Saints uh, would have to have declare more than $80 million to become cap uh, compliant to start a free agency, but now you have a lower number. So all of a sudden, um, if you look at Carl Grandison, no, I'm not even worried about the Saints. How they do business, uh, when restructuring contracts, the Saints can effectively push money into the future to clear up room for the present. Man, that's why you hire a dude like Kai Harley. No, he it, shuffles it, it, money the all Saints over the board. The Saints are port. the number one salary cap uh, team that you think they're in salary cap hell, and you're like, uh, well, I'll, our leaders and who's running the Saints salary cap, we're on a different level than the whole NFL. And now that, people are copying them, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. hell yeah, they copied them uh, because the players don't care because the players are still getting I ain't their money. No, pay cut. <laughs> no, no, no. Instead of a roster bonus, so you give me into a signing bonus. Man, I'm getting paid quicker. Uh, they, they offer that. So, no, uh, now, as long as it continues to increase, and I think it will. Uh, we all know, look, the TV revenue uh, coming in. Uh, I mean, uh, the reason why it was extraordinary, because they increased the media revenue for the 2024 season. So the NFL continues to get richer. And I, I think for sure over the next uh, decade, that's not stopping. Steven? You guys talked about a little bit last hour, the Detroit Pistons getting worked over by the refs last night. Monty Williams went on an epic tirade after the game. Here's what he had to say. The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've we've done it the right way. We've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, and the guy dove into Asar's legs and there was a no call. That, that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big time game like that, and there be a no call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called. 
period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game. And that was not fair. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. Guys, so, that could be Willie Green of the Pelicans giving that post-game speech. We've seen so much bad officiating. That was really bad well, last well, night. Well, well uh, you know what's ironic? The New Orleans connection, Nolan Noco, Monty Williams uh, was uh, previously in New Orleans at one right. time. That's, but it wasn't a go to this wasn't going to the Super Bowl. This was just a regular no, no, game, but, but, but it was really no, bad. It's a no call that has to be made. And of course, the refs afterwards in the pool report admitted they did get the, the call wrong. Oh, but oh, guess yeah. what? You can't reverse things. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like the NFL. Oh, sorry, we missed <laughs> right. the call. But that was to go to the Super Bowl. We'll be back with more sports talk and finish it off here in our number two right after this break on the Big Eight Seventy. That's it for sports talk tonight. I want to tell everybody we'll be back tomorrow with a lot more sports talk. Myself, Bobby A. Bear, Steve Geller, Charlie Long, and coming up next right here on the Big 870 and free on the Odyssey app, the LSU Fighting Tigers play the Georgia Bulldogs in basketball. Let's hope the Tigers can win this one. It was a close one the last time. So we'll be back with more sports talk tomorrow and coming up right here on the Big 870, LSU versus Georgia in basketball. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.